0: Well, uh, Richard uh, is going to be preaching in just a moment. Announcement-wise, there's... Only one to share because everything else is shut down, and that is Dan Moller in June. We trust that we're going to be able to go ahead with that event. That by then things will have cleared up, and so we, you know tickets are. I just want to let you know that if, if that event had to be canceled, everyone would get a full refund. But you know we we strongly doubt that that event is going to be canceled, and we're going to be praying that it won't be. It's at the end of June, so you know, get tickets for that. We you know it's, we've got a venue. We'll be meeting at Westside Church near Square One. It's on, on Grand Park Drive, so all the different pieces are coming in place. Tickets are on sale until April 20th at the early bird rate, so don't miss out on that. As well, while we're not gathered together that, you know, we still, all our bills are pretty much the same in this period. And so, just encourage you that even though we're not gathering together, that you would give, you'd use our online methods to be giving. If you don't want to give online, you can mail a check in to us at at 6555 Faulkner Drive, Unit 126, Mississauga, Ontario, L5N3N6. But really want to encourage you, use e-transfer, use, uh, use the uh, LifeHouse app, use our website, and you can give in any single one of those ways. And so, Lord, we just pray for finances for every single person, Lord, your protection over the finances of individuals, your protection over the finances of the church, And, Lord, we thank you that you're our provider, that we don't need to worry in this season about anything, including finances, and that, Lord, you are the one who is the giver of all things, and you're the one that has our wealth increasing. And so we look at where, you know, stock markets have been all over the place. We, again, we trust, as we've seen many times before, where there's been these different seasons and different cycles, that, Lord, you are in control of everything, and we can put our trust in you for our finances, the same as we put our trust in you for everything else. Wonderful. Well, uh, we're we're a privilege this morning to have Richard uh, sharing the word on discipleship, so let's just give him our full attention. Richard, it's uh, great to have you this morning.
1: Thank you very much, and uh, I'm honored and privileged to be sharing today on discipleship. As you know, we've been going through this series, discipleship and uh, the making of a disciple and what a disciple is. And to start off last week, uh, I just want to start with recapping with what James shared last week. If you remember very well, he shared three goals about a disciple. The first goal was to know and follow Jesus. The second goal was to be changed by Jesus, and the third goal was to be committed to Jesus' mission. Today, I wanted us to focus on the second one, which talks about being changed. Okay, sorry, I need to align myself to the camera. Yes, uh, today I wanted us to focus on the second goal which James shared yesterday. And this is the goal of being changed to, to, to become a disciple. When, when you are changed, when you submit yourself, I'm reminded of the book of John, I think, chapter, chapter 6, verse 44, where it says, where, the Father, where Jesus, Jesus was saying, unless the Father draws one to him, he cannot come. It, it's only the Father that draws someone to, to Christ. And so when the Father draws someone to Christ, I see it as an invitation, into salvation, and into a journey with Jesus. So I will not deal with the first part of knowing and following because I think James did a good job on that. But I really wanted to spend time on the second one, which is the transforming part, where we submit ourselves to Jesus and he's able to transform us to be what he's called us to be. So the, the word making here, for me, speaks of transformation. It's about submitting to Christ, being changed, taught, mentored, equipped, coached and molded to be what Jesus calls us to be. And I was trying, I was trying to think uh, about good examples that we can learn from, even from the Bible, of how transformation looks like. Uh, I remember Ashish, uh, a few weeks ago, he shared and, uh, from the scriptures, where, where when people saw the boldness of the disciples, Peter, and, and when they saw the boldness of the disciples, they realized now this th- something had changed about these people. That boldness is because they had spent time with Jesus. It meant that the three or so years that they spent with Jesus, they started talking, thinking, walking like Jesus and so I was thinking uh, if 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 God can take such simple people like fishermen, uneducated fishermen in today 's society i don 't know what that would look like someone who 's not going to school someone who there's nothing to write home about. There's nothing to say much about the person. But Jesus used such people to shake the world with the truth of the gospel. But a, 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 an example that really fascinates me is Paul, Apostle Paul. And I would like us to just go through Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 to 14. For we are of the circumcision, if I read very quickly. For we are of the circumcision, who worship God in in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have the confidence I have no confidence in the flesh. Verse four, he says, though I also have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Here, Paul was basically saying. He has so many good reasons to have confidence in the flesh. He was was saying, if you think you have reasons to to be confident in in the flesh, then I also have reason. And he went on to to lay down his resume there. In verse verse 5 he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, he considered himself blameless. Paul was someone who was very well educated. He knew the law. He abided by the law. And so he had status in society. But in verse 7, he went on and said, But what things were gain to me? These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered all things and count them as rubbish. So here is Paul, he's telling you how if I was to have confidence in the flesh, I think I can do a good job because I have have the crowns, I have the degrees, I have everything in society that would give you status, I have that. But he said, you know what? I consider all this rubbish that I may gain Christ. He was willing to surrender everything about his life, anything that defined success, anything that he drew confidence from before, everything that gave him that passion and that, that reason to walk with his head held high. He said, I'm willing to let go of all this, that I may gain Christ. And so... Uh, if you look, at, and, and if you continue even in verse 9, he says, and to be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Now, this is interesting because previously he said, to the law, he considers himself blameless. But you see, when he, when, when, when he had the encounter with Christ, something changed and he realized wait, 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 wait. It's not about my own righteousness, it's about Jesus defining who I am and me living out from that place of who Jesus has called me to. And therefore he said, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is from faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There's a hunger. This is, this is, this is a, this is, Paul was someone who was already full of himself. He was full of knowledge. He was full of everything that anybody in society would have wanted. Even in terms of the law, in terms of, uh, he was a Pharisee. But here he say, that I may know him. You know? That I may know him, uh, that I may know the power of his resurrection and the, and the fellowship of his suffering. When he say, I see a hunger in, in Paul to really understand Jesus in a way, not only to, 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 to understand the redemptive work of Calvary, but he also wanted to understand when he talks about the power of his resurrection, that I see two things. The doctrine of life after death, where our eternal life starts now. It doesn't start when we die. It starts now. I also see another aspect where he, he says, I want to know this power, the power that raised Christ from the dead, how it works in me to accomplish what Christ is calling me for. That's when he is saying, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Then he continues and says, and this fellowship of his suffering. In this journey of transformation, as we, as we give ourselves, as we are changed to be disciples, I believe Christ is trying to call us into a place of identity to be able to live out what he's calling us for and to be able to raise disciples. I believe Jesus is more, is, 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 that's why he says he makes you, then from making you, you're able to, go and make disciples. So he's interested in you becoming a disciple, and in that way you can raise other disciples. And one aspect about disciple as we are looking at, uh, one aspect of that transformation to be a disciple, if you look at the life of Paul, he he said that, and, and the fellowship of his suffering, he wants to know the fellowship of his suffering. In this journey, there'll be pain, there'll be trouble. Like now we are going through a season, a tough season. And and they, it brings some level of suffering, but in Christ we have hope. We have we have, we have we have we have a, a, a greater plan ahead for us that God has for us. And there is something God is doing even in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of these challenges. There is something God is doing in our lives, and there is somewhere God is taking us. We have a hope that the people who don't know Jesus cannot access. We have an understanding that we're able to access, that the people who don't know Christ are not able to access. And so he said, I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Basically, he was saying, to know Christ, I know there'll be points of suffering. I know there'll be points of challenges. But you know what? I am ready. I am ready. I am ready to be what Christ has called me to be, even if it brings some moments of suffering. And just because of time, if we jump to verse 12, he said, Not that I have already attained, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ, Jesus, also laid hold of me. I was trying to think about this scripture, and I found it interesting that he was saying that he is pressing on that he may lay hold for that which Christ also laid hold of him. Basically, you're saying, I want to know the reason why Jesus made the invitation to me and what purpose he has for me in this life. And I want to be, I want a reason to wake up every morning. Why do I wake up every morning? He's giving, he's he's like, Jesus is giving him a higher purpose as to why he should wake up every morning. Why does he do what he does? Because he's saying, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I want to know why Jesus was so interested in me, that he sent the invitation to me, invited me to this new life. I want to discover everything there is to discover about Jesus. I want to I want to go places where Jesus is going to send me. I want to do things that Jesus is going to empower me to do. And Paul said, this is what I would press on and give myself to. Then lastly, uh, in verse 13, he says, forgetting what lies behind. In the process of transformation, we have to disconnect with so many things in life. Growing up, until the point when we met Jesus, when Jesus gave us the invitation, we come with so much baggage. Pain, hurt, things that have been said over us, and and." We, we just come like we are wrecked, or there are, there are so many issues that are putting us down and pressing us down. But when you come to Jesus, He liberates us and gives us a fresh start, a new start, and He gives you, He, he, he reintroduces you to yourself because you are able to see yourself through the Father's eyes. And there's nothing amazing that being given a fresh start. And, and, and Paul was saying, forgetting what lies behind. For him, he had everything going, so, but he had to lay, forget that. But for us, at times, we have to let go of baggage. Things that, when you look at yourself, you don't see much, or you think maybe there's nothing you can contribute, either because of rejections that you've experienced before. And all these things, in the process of transformation, Jesus is able to disconnect them from us as we walk in obedience. So quickly, how, how does Jesus transform us? I was trying to think practically, if I was, I was to be asked, how does Jesus transform us? And I, I was able to look at the life of Paul and see six key things I believe Jesus does in our lives when we accept the invitation to come and walk with him. The first one, very quickly, is he redeems us and restores our relationship with the Father. The Bible says sin hides God's face from us. When you come to Jesus, he's able to forgive our sins. He's able to liberate us from the power of sin. There's a way sin can really work on you and and just misdirect you and just send you places that you never thought that you'd ever go. But when we come to Jesus, he's able to liberate us. Ephesians 1, 7 to 12 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Secondly, I see he, he defines us. He reveals our true identity. As I was saying, it's like he, he, he introduces you to you. He, Ephesians 1, 3, 6 tells us we, have, we, have, we, have, we are blessed with, with spiritual blessing. And, 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 and that God already had a plan. Even before you were born, God had a plan on how he's going to adopt you as his son and daughter. And, and, and it, because of time, I, can, I cannot read these scriptures. I encourage you to, be read, to, to go home and, and just look at them. Ephesians 1, 3, 6. We've been blessed with spiritual blessing. And that God has called us into his kingdom through adoption by his spirit. The third one is a higher, higher purpose. He has given us a higher purpose. The Bible says um, we, should not, uh, we should not store up treasures uh, on earth. Rather, we should store treasures in heaven where no moth, no thieves can destroy, no rust, right? And, and I see that as an invitation to, to, there has to be more as to why we wake up every morning. Romans, Romans 1, uh, 12, verse 2 tells us, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In this process of transformation, Jesus is help, able to, to transform our minds as we submit to him that we'll be able to, our value system, how we see things, how we approach situations like what we are going through now, how we engage changes because our minds are renewed. He instructs us through his word, Psalm 19:105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As we engage God's word, you're able to walk paths and see and give, get direction in your life. Another aspect is that he liberates us from the bondage of sin. I think I've, I've already talked about how, how sin just locks us from our destiny. He liberates us. Romans 6, 5, 14 clearly tells us we, be, we, be, we, became, we, we become dead to sin, and the power of sin is broken over us, and we become slaves of, of righteousness. Lastly, he empowers us by his spirit. Christ said uh, you can do all things through Christ, who, who the Bible says, uh, uh, Philippians 4:13. Paul uh, was writing and said, you can, "We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us." Philippians 4:13. So I believe that's what uh, Jesus does in our lives. But do we have a part to play? Do we have a part to play in this transformation process? Yes, we do. We do have a part to play. It's not. It's not passive. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not. You sit and. And, and, and things happen, as, as Jesus invites you, as God invites you into this relationship and into this journey, we do have a part to play. Very quickly, I see, see, I see a few things, not exhaustive, but I see a few things that we can do to partner with Jesus in this transformation process. Because let me, let me be honest with us, the, the transformation, every day we are either facilitating the transformation, or we are frustrating it. And, and, and so it's, it's it's important for us to to meditate and ask the Spirit of oh, Lord, how can I facilitate this amazing work that Jesus is doing in my life you know and and, and I, I I picked up a few things that maybe can help us. First is to build solid and solid uh, uh, sound and solid doctrine as I said jesus is in, is very interested in making us effective effective disciples, so that we can raise other disciples. It's not we become, then we do. We don't do and become. So the, the process of becoming is very important. And one aspect is to build sound and solid doctrine on what we believe and why we believe. Second Timothy, because of time I will paraphrase and move fast, and maybe you can check the scriptures later. Second Timothy 2.15, it talks about Giving ourselves as, as an approved workman, ready, di- uh, r- uh, rightly dividing the word of God. We have to know what we believe, and we have to study the scriptures and build firm doctrine and sound doctrine around it. Because you will be asked questions as you're making, as you're making disciples. You have to be able to, to explain the faith. Right? Secondly, is even First even, even Peter 3.15 says, be ready to explain your faith. Be ready to... Explain what you believe. And, 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 and that happens when you build sound and solid doctrine on the foundations of salvation and, uh, and build on that, on other truths that Jesus is going to reveal to us. Secondly, very quickly, is obedience to what he instructs us. It's amazing to know the word. It's, it's, it's very good. But we need to be walking in obedience to that word. And, and God's word could be in the written word. Also, God speaks to us. If the Lord convicts you on something, please do it. He's given us the grace, He's given us the strength, and the spirit to help us do it. Thirdly, is denying ourselves and carrying the cross. I think Paul exemplified this. Um, when uh, the, uh, Matthew fourteen twenty four, uh, Jesus was asking, asking, his, uh, was telling, uh, was uh, saying to his di- disciples that if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and carry your cross. But what does that look like in our day-to-day life? You see, Paul walked out of all those successes. He laid them down to follow Christ, to gain Christ. Even us, as we walk in this transformation process, there are things we will engage, there are things we will disconnect. He has we we have to be ready to trade in everything he asked us to trade in for himself. It it, it may affect our ambitions, it may affect our planning. We, But the most important thing is we embrace that process of denying ourselves and carrying the cross. Which means when the the going gets tough, we rely on Jesus. We rely on Jesus because he's the one. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So at times when you're feeling alone and you're feeling, I can't take this anymore, Jesus is there. And the Holy Spirit will be there to help you. The fourth one, and very quickly, is Pursuing an intimate relationship with him. This one is, is, I look at our lives these days. We are so busy for the right reasons. Life is so busy. We don't have time. In fact, everything, you have to create time. Because the way the system and the world is, it's busy. And I'm reminded of John 15, 13 to 15. It says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. You are my friend if you do what I have commanded you. Now this is the interesting part. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I had from my father, I have made known to you. I see a journey of and a progression here. It's like the disciples when they accepted the invitation, It's like they were servants. They didn't know much. It's like they're growing. It's like a baby. eh? You grow and you you get to know more and more and more. But now they had reached a point when Jesus told them, I no longer call you servants because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I call you friends. And as we develop this intimacy with Jesus, then we become his friends. And, 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 And we're able to engage him. He's able to engage us, and he's able to reveal more us and even give us more, give us the tools and everything we need to be effective disciples. And one question, there's a question that can be very intimidating to ask Christians. And this question is, when was the last time you heard God speak to you? Or does he speak to you every day? What did God tell you today? And that should trigger something in our lives that Jesus is always looking for. Fellowship with us. Each and every day. We develop that intimacy. I mean, I, I, can, I can set time to walk my dog. I can set time to feed my cat. I can set time to do so many other things. But, I, but we also need to set time to spend time with the Lord. This great and amazing Lord, creator of the Heavens and the earth, the universe. He he wants to be your friend. He wants to connect with you. He wants to partner with you. He wants to reveal to you. He wants to show you things that he can only show friends, not servants. He wants that intimacy to be able to release that to you. And that is a pathway to being an effective disciple. Fifthly, is embracing the love of Jesus. Recently, I I had an issue and I was praying and asking God. And... He responded in a very interesting way. He just told me, Richard, you just need to look at yourself the way I look at yourself. And that changes a lot. My capacity to love people is dependent on my capacity to to embrace and allow the Father's love to work in me. John 15, 11, 12 says, These things I have spoken to you, that your joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, it says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you don't love one another the way you think you should. You don't love one another using your own strategies and and, and, and your understanding of the way I've loved you. Which for me, what Jesus is telling me here, unless you understand my love, Unless you engage with my love, it would be very difficult for you to love people the way you're supposed to love people. Because he, his love is able to give us the grace to love people who would otherwise not love. I remember requiring in 40 Days of Purpose, he, he said in the, in, the, in the kingdom of God, we have people who we call extra grace required, right? EGRs, because it's not easy to love. And, but but the, the love of Christ helps us overcome so much in loving people and discipleship is about loving people discipleship is not about just hammering the one or two people or it's about loving people that everything you do you do from a place of love and so once we receive the father's love it gives us the capacity to love other people six and uh, finally is living by the living spirit led lives I, I you know, Jesus, why did he tell the disciples not to re- leave Jerusalem? Uh, in Acts 1, verse 4, he told them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. I can imagine this, if, if they were ready to go and just minister, I told them, no, 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 wait. Wait. Until the Holy Spirit has come. Verse 8 says, But when you shall shall receive power, and the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. It, It speaks of how we need the Holy Spirit each and every day to live out our purpose in life. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us and lead us each and every day. Uh, Romans 8, verse 12 to 17, because of time I will not read all of it, it talks about how the Spirit of God confirms our adoption as sons and daughters. I think I talked about this before because at times we forget. Everything we do, we do it from a place of sonship. Everything we do, we do from a place of uh of, of our a new identity in Christ. And the Holy Spirit does that for us. So I, I don't know where this message reach, uh, finds you this morning. But I see Jesus reaching out to us and asking us to embrace him. And and build intimacy so that he can give us the identity that we are before the Father, so that we can see ourselves through the Father's eyes. And as I mentioned before, every day, with every decision, we're either facilitating that transformation or we are frustrating that transformation. And so... As we reflect on the word today, Jesus calls us, he makes the invitation. He makes us through the transformation we've been talking today. Then we become disciples. Uh, Jesus, Jesus Christ transforms us so that we can become, and when we become his witnesses, then we can effectively go. So my prayer is that each and every day, Let's admit ourselves to Christ and the transformation process. Thank you, and God bless you.
0: Thank you so much, Richard. That was amazing. And let's, again, we've got so much time right now where we can commit ourselves to this transformation process. I Just want to remind you that this transformation process comes, it tells us in scriptures, it's the renewing of our minds. We renew our minds by the what Richard was talking to us about today. And, and I just encourage you just to really follow the steps that he was sharing with us. Really reflect on it. Watch it again. It's great. It's online. It's recorded. You can go back and listen to it again. Watch it again. And really be doing what he said, that we would follow Jesus well in this season. You know, mind renewal can be done anywhere. It can, you know, it can be done when we are alone. It's actually one of the best places is in those moments of solitude with Jesus where we're able just to be there and let him transform our mind, transform our thinking. So I want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, again, you know, reach out. We'll be posting different things online throughout the week. We'll be connecting with people by phone call, by email. And really, you know, just because we're not gathered together on a Sunday and because, just because we're not gathering together the way we normally do, it doesn't make us any less of a community. We still need each other, one another. We still need to be there for one another. So we just find new creative ways of doing that. Text one another, phone calls, emails, us reaching out in every way. We can start using, you know, your, your phone FaceTime technology or whatever it is on your phone or wh- whichever way. And let's be especially mindful of those that don't have that technology. And so that we are reaching out by phone to them and and just checking on the vulnerable people in our community as well, making sure that we're all okay, that all our needs are met. And uh, I just encourage you, have an amazing week. Let's be praying for one another. Let's be transformed. By the time we come back together as a church in a few weeks' time, in person, live, you know, with all of us together, let's come back a different people because of everything that God has done in our lives in these few weeks. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, just be ministering to us. Father, just send angels to be around us in every single way. And oh Lord, just to be ministering to us in our sleep, ministering to us at our homes. Oh Lord, just put a hedge of protection around everyone in this community as well. Protect us. We just, we just thank you that you are our protector. We put our trust in you to protect us against all sicknesses and disease, including the, uh, the COVID-19 that's facing the world at this moment in time. Okay, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you during the week and next week. Have a great week. Take care.